A lack of investment and training has left Aotearoa wildly short of telco technicians and a long queue of people waiting even longer to get high-speed fibre installed, according to a union. Chorus, which is the country's main provider of telecommunications infrastructure, has been forced to apologise for wait times, in some cases blowing out to 10 weeks, when its target time for installations is 15 days. It's blaming a shortage of about 200 techs, saying many overseas workers returned to their home countries when the COVID border closures lifted. Air 2 union organiser Joe Gallagher joins us now. Kia ora, Joe. Is it that simple? People have gone home to their home countries after the borders opened, after COVID? Um, no, I, thank you, Lisa. Um, no, I don't think it's that simple. I think COVID is a convenient argument. I mean, this industry has been fragmented for many years, um, and I don't think we have a cohesive training strategy to um, train uh, local uh, local workers. Um, and what we've seen over COVID is when you close the border, um, that reliance on overseas labour is um, not there. We can't get them, and then we're exposed. So we have, in this industry, you believe, relied too heavily on overseas workers? Uh, absolutely. I mean, but we've seen it across industries, but particularly in this industry, um, and went with, um, you know, we went to the dependent contract, the model, 10 years ago. Um, that further exacerbated the problem because no-one's got the money nor the resources to be able to train people uh, locally, you know, and I really think it takes a collective response around this training to, you know, so that we don't end up in these situations. How long does it train, uh, take you to train to be a, a, a telecom tech and, and who should be subsidising that? Look, I think it takes uh, about a couple of years. Um, you can be qualified, um, but I, look, I think it has to be a, a collective response. I think it's a government. The government has to be involved. I think the companies and the contractors have to be involved um, and the uh, you know, training institutes um, have to be involved. You know, we really need a collective response. We do not have uh, a dedicated tra- tra- what I call trade training schools in New Zealand. You see them in Australia where they bring these guys in and they train them and, and then they farm them out to the, the contracting company, con- sorry, contracting companies. And we don't have that in New Zealand and, and it's, it's, it's really been made bare um, regarding COVID. Do we need to set one up? Is that what you're saying, Joe? Oh, look, I think absolutely. I think, you know, as we're seeing the re-education, uh, reorganisation of the, um, you know, the, I guess our tertiary edu- uh, training organisations into this big politic, I think we have an opportunity um, as a country to set up a trade training school, whether it's Auckland, Christchurch or Wellington, and bring them in. We need workers across infrastructure, power, telecommunications. And if, if, I guess if the cyclone has taught us anything, we have a huge reliance on communication. And so power and telecommunications are actually critical industries where we should be doing everything to train um, locally. It's interesting we're having this conversation today, Joe, because I've just been talking um, about the universities and the drop in the number of high school leavers that are signing up to go to university and get a degree. Have we undervalued trades like this one that we're talking about? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I, my, my daughter's going to university, but it's actually I think we have a huge opportunity in this country. Um, a lot of children between 14 and 16, which I believe are the target audience, we should be talking to them, engaging with them and, and showing them that you can actually get a trade without getting a huge debt, which gives you a passport to the world. And I don't think we're doing enough in this space and we're letting these kids uh, fall through the cracks. I mean, we have an opportunity to, to really get these kids and, and so they won't be left with six need $100,000 worth of debt, they will get a trade, they will have a good job and they can work or they can travel overseas, you know what I mean? This is a, this is a real opportunity for us to engage with our youth. 
There is an issue here, and it came up a few years ago, which was about contractors basically being ripped off and paid, in some cases, below the minimum wage when it came to these technicians um, who were doing installations. What is the pay like? What happens if you go out of a big city? How do these contracts work? Look, um, you know, there are a couple of big players. You've got Downers, which, and we've got a collective agreement with, with them. And in that, in that agreement, that we've got what we call a retainer. So no one gets less than $57,750. But on average, those guys are earning between seventy dollars and $85,000 a year. Um, and so, um, you know, the average wage is about between 31 and $35 an hour. And the other big player is UCG. And I think... I, with what happened in Auckland a few years ago with all that exploitation, I think Chorus has recognised that model is not necessarily working, so they are starting to reintroduce um, wages back into the into the sector to try and um, eradicate that below the minimum wage pay. So if you're, if you're out of one of the main areas, Joe, uh, uh, workers who are in this area, are some of them still being exploited, paid for doing, because part of it was they were paid for doing sort of the finishing off of the job and lower paid workers were brought in to, to do other components of it. Talk to us about that. Yeah, look, I think um, it's less of a problem now that Chorus has repositioned the market. So Downers basically controls from the Bombays right down through the rest of um, New Zealand and even into the smaller places. Um, but, you know, there was a time when they were starting to what I call um, uh, sort of fragment the truck fragment the job, so sort of getting someone to dig the hole, getting someone else to come in and just um, clip the wires up, and, and then that way they could get around and pay a lower rate. And so people, and people, and we're seeing it now too with a hot labour market, no one's going to work for minimum wage anymore, right? The, the labour market is really hot, particularly um, in the big centres, but even now post-cyclone, um, sorry, post-cyclone, um, you know, it's going to put further pressure on our labour market. So getting away with being a bottom feeder employer is just not going to work and you're just not going to get the workers. Interesting to talk to you, Joe. Thanks for joining us. That's Air 2 Union organiser Joe Gallagher there.